the baseball season is about to start up. We talk about the Central Michigan Chippewas and where they are seen by the Mac coaches. And then we'll get into a little bit of basketball. We talked a little bit last week about how one of these two teams would be contenders or pretenders. Both teams right now struggling to find wins as of late. Talk about all that more. I'm Maroon and Bold next. Welcome into Maroon and Bold. I am the sports editor, Andrew McDonald, and across from me, as usual, my partner in crime, Evan Petzold. Evan, the assistant here, how are we doing? I'm good. That's it. That's it? Just good? Just Getting, good. Nothing get, Nothing really crazy going on. It's been, a, it's been another weird week, man. I'm, t- I'm telling you, with all these like snow days and everything else that happens, it's just kind of unbelievable. And like everywhere. Are we ever going to have a full week I, of school? I, I like, mean, are we going to get refunded for like our classes? Or well, I mean, not that, like, I mean, I'm trying to graduate this semester, so I hope it still counts for something. But at the end of the day, it's just been kind of crazy because it really feels like you just haven't gone to school yet yeah. um, this semester. So it is what it is. But the sports haven't stopped, so we're still talking about all that. Um, and we'll start off with baseball here. So the c- coaches, the 10 coaches in the MAC conference uh, for baseball, the 10 programs they voted today, um, pick Central Michigan to finish fourth in the standings, which is exactly where they finished at last year, um, despite some of the losses that they have in their lineup, including um, their coach. They now have Jordan Bischel as their head coach after Steve uh, Jackson. He left after 25 years uh, with the program. But Kent State was picked to finish first, Ball State second, Miami of Ohio was third, CMU, as I said, was fourth, Toledo fifth, Ohio sixth, Eastern Michigan seventh, Western Michigan, eighth, Northern Illinois, surprisingly enough, got a first place vote and ninth. I don't know how that worked out, but they did. And then Bowling Green drawn it out 10th. So Evan was on the baseball team a lot last year, covering that beat and stuff. He wrote the preview for you guys today. Um, just just kind of thinking, do you think that's a fair spot um, for them to be put, even with a new coach? I mean, is is there any any doubt in your mind that they can finish that high in the standings or maybe higher, lower? No, I think it's a fair spot. I mean, you look at really where they finished last year record-wise. I mean, they were 16-11 and 11 in the conference, and then they were 29-30-1 overall. And you take a look at that, and, and just the pieces that they had and, and what they really were able to do. I mean, you had a guy in Daniel Robinson who, you know, only hit a couple home runs. And you had Michael Brattel, who who ended the season with a losing record, and Dazon Cole, who wasn't really – you know, as productive as productive as we as we've seen him in the past. I mean, those three guys they left to go to the MLB, and um, you know they're making their way in the minors right now, trying to trying to get up to speed and get to where they want to be. But the fact of the matter is, I feel like they just like their their full potential was not used last year. I think that a lot of players' potential just was kind of left a little bit short. And what Bishel kind of talked about was just bringing the excitement and the enjoyment and the fun back into the game, and like that's what he's all about. Um, and, and that's interesting to me because you didn't get that under Steve Jackson. You you didn't really get that emotion. You got very it was like a very like dry, almost like Jim Leland type of a feel from from Jackson, where wow. Bischel's just very much like, let's go get it. Let's do it. Like this this is our time. This is our moment. It's almost like encouraging in a way. And I think that's gonna benefit, you know, the Chippewas really well. But yeah, you, you want to look at the starting rotation and what they kind of have going on. Senior right-hander Pat Leatherman, um, he's their he's their number one guy. He's going to be their ace this year. Junior left-hander Tyler Hankins, junior right-hander Cam Cameron Brown, and junior right-hander Zach Cohn. Those are the three guys that fill in behind Leatherman. Uh, last season, Leatherman had a two and five record with a three point five one ERA, 77 strikeouts, and just seventeen walks. So a pretty good strikeout to walk ratio um, over eleven starts. He pitched fifty nine innings. But he is going to be the guy that they're going to. They call him Grandpa Pat. He's a fifth-year senior. He's going to be the guy that they lean on. Um, sophomore right-hander uh, Logan Butchkowski and senior left-hander Jack Collins. They're the two closers that are going to be 
you know, kind of anchoring the bullpen. And, and I got to ask you how you feel about it. I know you watch a lot of baseball too, but you know, Bishop said that if they had a one run lead, you know, in the ninth inning tomorrow, they would go with Butchkowski, but it's kind of going to be a hot hand and evaluate matchup and in, in numbers when yeah. you pick the closer between Butch and, and Collins. Do you like that? You know, do you like the whole closer by committee type of a thing or not really? I think if anybody's watched the Detroit Tigers in this state over the past couple of years, you'd understand that probably doesn't work out the best for you. But college baseball is different. I'm not going to compare it to the major leagues. But I mean, if, that, if that's what's end up they trying to try to do, I don't know. I guess it, I guess it can maybe work. And it, it has probably worked for other teams in the past, I'm sure. Um, but I think it's better to find consistency in baseball than it is um not and especially in pitching i mean really that's the one position in the field where you have to find it i think that's the the best part about cmu's pitching staff is that they have a lot of people that are upperclassmen you, you have the choice to be able to make it um with guys that have been around the game for a while so they really don't have to go and look and try to replace a bunch of people but yeah hot hand thing i don't really know how much i favor that but I mean, I, I what do I know? I'm not a I'm not a baseball coach, but I'd I'd say if I were to if I were to pick it, you definitely want to find consistency. But when you don't know and you're a new coach and you're trying to feel at your players too, at the same time, I kind of understand why um, you want to do that. And especially going into the season when these non-conference games, yeah, they matter, but do they really matter to the max standings? I mean, does not it matter? Really. Yeah, does it matter to where you get at the end of the year? So this is the kind of time to figure out, use those guys, um, and see what you can get out of them right now. And maybe you'll find a guy that's consistent and ends up being your every every closer guy. Yeah, I mean, looking at the outfield, too, just going down that line, it's going to be junior uh, Zach Gillis and senior Jacob Crum. They're going to play every day in center field and right field, respectively. So you're going to see a lot of that. The left field spot's going to be a rotation between Joshua Williams, uh, sophomore Chase Rollins, senior David Cole, and senior Ty Rollins. But really, Williams is supposed to be the guy that they're going to lean towards most in left field. Um, you know, you want to look inside and you're going to see second base, shortstop, and third base positions filled by you know four different returning players, junior Zach Kiki, um, sophomore Xavier Warren, senior Jason Sullivan, and then also Chase Rollin, who I mentioned earlier, he plays a little bit outfield, but yeah, also yeah. plays plays infield. Um, so that's kind of what you're going to want to look at there. And as far as really the, the first base position, the catcher position, the DH, it's going to be a three-way split between senior Blake Cleveland, sophomore Griffin Lockwood-Powell, and senior Evan Kratt. They're all just going to be kind of tossed in there and, and rotated at times um, between those three positions. You're going to see, you know, Cleveland maybe catching one day and then Kratt the next day and then Lockwood Powell. Um, you know, we didn't see a lot of Lockwood Powell behind the plate last year just because he was he was injured and he had hip surgery in late June. He's back to full health now. He missed a good amount of, you know, the the fall ball, but was able to, to heal up and, and now he's going to be good to go. Um, and, and he's a guy that can he's a guy that can do damage and, and hit home runs um, under Jackson last year. Sammy only had 12 home runs. That's something that that Bishop wants to wants to fix. He wants to change their game and increase home runs and extra base totals really just by putting an emphasis on doing damage and driving the ball. Essentially, I mean, I, for me, man, I, I really do see this turning out well with Bishop leading leading them. I mean, it, just the way that he like, carries himself and the way that he acts and just like the excitement and the fact that he wants to play that game that everyone wants to play as well. I mean, don't you don't tell don't tell me that kids want to play small ball all the time. I mean, they like hitting home runs. They like hitting it in the gap. They like the extra base hits. He brings that to the table. I, I think his players are just going to fall in love with that, and and I, I see it working out really well. No, for sure. I mean, they have they have talent around the field. They have enough people coming back that they could definitely find some success. And I mean, this is a conf or conference where you can find some success. Um, at the end of the day, you can make yourself you know be somebody in the year i mean uh, kent state who was picked to win the division last year they went 19-8 uh, in the league and they ended up making the ncaa tournament or tournament regional round so 
I mean, you can make your you can make it somewhere out of this conference um, if you can win, and I think that they do have a chance to win. I like what you say a lot about uh, Bichel's new attitude. I think that that's something that's really important, especially on a college baseball field, because, I mean, a lot of these guys, they're, they play off that kind of stuff. I know baseball guys, like, in general, just kind of play off of energy. If you get a new coach that comes in there and gives you a new spark, you have no idea what that can get out of your yeah. players. I mean, it, it can go one of two ways. I mean, don't get me wrong. It could could go the complete opposite way, too. I mean, the, a lot of these guys weren't his recruits that came in to play for him, so it is hard to make a fit, but... I mean, you were around the other day. I mean, does it just in general seem like they're all getting together well? Does it seem like it was a good atmosphere in there, like happy, positive? I don't I don't know what word to use, really. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the overall vibe is positive. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that's, you know, pissed off or anything yeah, like that. I mean, it's preseason. Like it, yeah. but, um, but, I mean, no, you want to talk about just having fun and just getting out and just doing your thing. I mean, look at Chase Rollin. Yeah, went, on, yeah. went out on the freaking baseball field and started <laughs> ice skating and taking grounders went and viral <laughs> and was skating around the base pass, sliding to third. I think that just says more about this team than, than anything else. I mean, to be honest, man, since I'm allowed to voice my own opinion, I don't know if Jaxa would would let that fly. Yeah, I think he might have thought that was the stupidest I think thing ever. I would agree with you on that statement. I don't think you're wrong at all there. So. Yeah, Bishel thought it was the coolest thing for sure. And, and if he's that kind of guy and wants to bring that kind of energy to a team that seems to have that kind of personality, then I probably would agree with the move. And I mean, we'll see where it goes, I guess. But time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. And uh, that's just, that that goes the same for uh, the, the season that's going on right now with basketball, because it's kind of what it is, right? You have these games in February where you just you just lose sometimes the teams that maybe you shouldn't lose to. I mean, yes, the teams that Central Michigan's been losing to on both sides, women's and men's, have both been pretty good i mean they're not like they're not you know chumps or anything like that shoot the team of the men's teams had to play they're both atop the east conference right now but nevertheless um just a, a kind of a, a disappointing loss again um really for the women's team uh to ohio this past weekend it's, it's at home a place where they just have been dominant you don't really see them lose at all um definitely not a year ago when you know they had players like cassie breen tonight or kind of starting to wonder if that is you know Catching up to him a little bit here as, as the season moves along. Taking another loss. I mean, yeah, sure, they're still first place in that division. They're still the best team. But when it comes to a MAC tournament standpoint, that doesn't matter. You can lose on any given day. Um, and if, if you're not, you know, clearly dominating your opponents, then it is almost kind of left up to, man, this really could be anybody that goes out and wins this tournament. And I think I'm starting to think that way a little bit more um, when, I, when I watch the women's basketball throw the conference as a whole because – you know, they, CMU has just picked the season coming in as like the no doubt going to win it again no matter what. And they got three conference losses now. It's definitely not, I wouldn't say likely, but there's a chance that they could lose in this MAC tournament. And I, I don't know if there's anything they can do to turn it around or if everybody's really just that close in talent right now in this conference. I mean, you look at it last year, they they won the MAC tournament, but it wasn't, they didn't blow anybody out. I mean, they they played they played the number nine seed in the conference in Eastern Michigan, and they won sixty seven forty seven. Then they won sixty one fifty eight against Miami of Ohio, and then they beat Buffalo uh, ninety six to ninety one. So I mean, though, though, no, none of those games were blowouts. I mean, that was that was you know one possession game, one possession game, and then you know a a five point win to to take it. So. I don't think there's anything to worry about if if you're the women's team. I mean, it was just as close last year. They could have easily lost in the first round. That's all I'm trying to say. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, they, it's they college basketball. <laughs> they, I mean, they won by three against Eastern Michigan in the first round of the MAC tournament. Like, I, I just, I think if they were to go to the tournament and get bounced in the first round this year, it would just be one of those games. Like, it just happens. And 
there's not a guarantee. There's, I mean, especially in the MAC too. There's never a team that's just guaranteed going to throttle you three games in a row CMU to win the tournament. Definitely going into last year's tournament was the hands down team that was going to win that tournament. I yeah, think they were the favorite, but you know that every that. you know that and they went seventeen and one in conference last year. But you know that like every game is going to be close. I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it might be and close. They, it was close. But so I kind of see the same thing here. I don't, the difference is for me is they've lost three close games now. So well, the men's team, the, well, the men's team too, though. I mean, they've lost. Yeah, they, they've they, lost. You know, five of their last seven. Is that more concerning though? I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to argue with which team's more concerning. I, I'm just trying to say, like in general, just the women's team right now. The men's team is obviously is a little bit of a concern. They're five and six. They're supposed to finish last. I, this team was expected to go out and win a conference. I think. Mm-hmm. I what I'm trying to say is I think some people overlooked it as this team is just so good because they returned two of the four players that they had from a season ago that they were going to be unstoppable like they were a year ago. Yes, those games were close, but when you finish 17-1 and in your conference, I mean, that that was dominant either way. The one loss they had, I believe, was to Buffalo last year, if I'm not uh, yeah. if I'm not wrong. I think it was on the road. Yeah, so it was on the road. So that's the one loss that they had. So when they were at home or playing on a neutral court, you know, they were they were unbeatable. CMU didn't, I, mm-hmm. I don't know who they lost to at home last year, but they were both non-conference, so... Purdue, I think, was one of the games. Yeah, they lost to Purdue last year, and I can't remember the other one. But when you look at both of those, I mean, those were those are home games you're probably supposed to lose. Um, I don't know. I just, I just look at it this year, and it's a couple of home games and conferences that they dropped. That wasn't like them last year um, at all to lose any of those games, and they definitely finished them off to get wins. Men's basketball team, we're used to seeing them lose a lot of games. I mean, you look at but you look at their three losses in conference, and they lost by three to Miami of Ohio. They lost by three to Toledo. And they lost by three to Ohio. I mean, like Which they should because of the best. But the fact that you're not finishing them and you're not getting the wins. But I mean, it's three. I mean, it's a it's a three point loss. Like I mean, every game they're one three pointer away from from setting it to OT. I and then so I mean, I mean, I I guess like how big of a deal. I mean, last year they played close games down the stretch and they ended they up won them. and they ended up winning them. I mean, I just don't know how much it it really matters. That'd be a good question for Sugavara. I mean, to ask her. Ask her how much does that really matter? I can't speak for the team specifically, but yeah, I don't, yeah, know. I don't just, know. Just from a bystander standpoint, I just see it as something that's like, I don't know. I don't know if I am just going to bind all the hype that they're just going to go down there and win the tournament. I, I don't know. Last year, I I didn't have a doubt in my mind that they were going to go do it. Mm-hmm. I guess just some losses this year make me a little bit more concerned about it. I mean, not that it, they're not by a lot of points, like you said, but. That's all it is in basketball. It is a couple of points. That's what yeah. comes down to winning and losing games. And there's some teams that are really good at closing it out and doing it, and other teams that aren't. Um, and the men's basketball team is definitely one that isn't right now. Um, and that, it happened again. It's it, two games this weekend, okay? And, and, you know, we talked about it last week. I said I wouldn't be shocked um, if they did come out and, you know, win one of these two games and, and get one and shoot with, I mean, two chances this past weekend. They looked like they did have a chance to do that. They had an 18-point lead against Buffalo. Yeah, that they blew that, that one. That was man. unbelievable. I mean, how do you, I mean, it was literally, I mean, I, I covered that game and just watching it, it was just, it just got short so quick. I mean, that's how good Buffalo is. They just, they break out, they're fast, they're physical, they're they're athletic. I mean, they're everything in the MAC conference that makes them the team that they're supposed to be, um, which is, you know, a, a nationally ranked team. You don't usually see that in the MAC period. But nevertheless, I mean, yeah, they, they came right back, erased that lead before halftime even hit. I mean, see me had an 18-point lead before halftime. You would have at least thought, I mean, if, if you could just stand the storm, you knew Buffalo was going to come back. They weren't just going to completely go away. But if they could withstand the storm to make it a 10-point game or something like that at halftime, I think CMU goes on to win that game just simply by how much they're leading by. They couldn't. They let them get right back in. They started turning the ball over. They went away from everything that they had going right for them to start that game. A couple days later, you fast-forward, they go up against Bowling Green, who's another team that's right at the top of the Mackey's Conference on the road. Again, tough game. 
I was almost surprised to see CMU get an 11-point lead in the first half. I didn't think that they would come out and play that well after a loss like that just a couple days earlier, you know, with one day's rest, one day of prep, and then you're already back out there and you're, and you're playing again. I didn't think that they would be able to play that well, period, to start the game, but they did, held their lead. Even when they blew it in the second half, they found a way to get back up by four. But again, foul trouble on Rob Montgomery, just like it was in the game before that against Buffalo. Larry Austin fouled out really early in that game against Buffalo, but he, he was uh, in it later in this one, but... Nevertheless, they end up blowing that game, too, and they had a lead. And, and, I mean, Keno Davis finally, you know, gave us some honesty with that one, just saying, you know, we we just have to have to get better on the side of execution to be able to win a couple of games that we've let slip away. I mean, I can't say it any better myself. I You, you have a chance to be – they have a chance to beat these teams. Um, and I think that's what's frustrating from a, a, a bystander standpoint is that you got to be able to close those games when you're that close to be able to get wins. It's not even like they – it's not like the game's close the entire way. They built double-digit leads on two of the best teams in the conference. Couldn't get the job done. I mean, how is there a way to fix that? <laughs> is, it, is it too late in the year for that? Or what? Well, I mean, the good thing is the next game you got Ohio at home, and that's presumably, presumably going to be a win. I mean, Ohio's 3-8 and eight in conference. They're 11-12 and 12 overall. That's a game at home, too, that I don't – I mean, Ohio's lost four straight. Yeah. That's – you want to talk about a way to just get back on track for starters, that's Probably, get a win. Yeah, yeah. Get get that win at home. And and I think that, you know, the the team is very capable of doing that. I don't I don't see them, you know, going into this game and losing. But I mean, yeah, you want to talk about finishing at the end and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, those are all great things to think about, but push comes to shove, you just gotta win games. Yep. And I think, you know, sometimes people forget and I understand the intangibles are so important too, but I think people forget how much momentum really matters, like how much that really, really means to a team. And when you're trying to make a push and make a run and you've got back-to-back teams that that are pretty darn difficult teams, yeah, you got to have momentum going in there. And when you lose it like that in the first game against Buffalo and, and you lost all that you had going for you, it's just that much harder to, to make it up. So I think they just need a win. They need to get back on track. There's still so much hope for this team, though, just because of the pieces that they have. I mean, yeah, like they I, I wouldn't be surprised hope. if they made a run. Like that, That's all I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. I think that they're definitely a team that's capable of making making a legitimate push in the MAC tournament. You know, at the end of the season, you know, when you have Eastern Toledo, Northern Illinois, Western to close out the year, like that, that is, this is a team that I think they have enough grit to them that I would not be surprised if they were able to put together a nice little run. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I'm with you 100% momentum. Like some people don't believe in that in sports, say that it's not like a real thing. I mean, if you talk to any, uh, like any scientist major or anything like that, they'll be like, it's not possible to be real in sports or whatever. It really is. Like if you, if you win games and you, you start going downhill with the wins in the right way, I mean, you're going to be a force that's pretty hard to get stopped. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's, that's important. And these next two games, like you said, against Ohio, a team that's struggling right now in Kent State, those are two games that CMU can win. I mean, I, I think without a question. And then you're going to have to go on the road. And, I mean, I, I'll include Ball State in that and even say three just because it's on the road and it's never easy to go in on the road. You got Ball State, Eastern Michigan, and Toledo all in a row. I mean, and Toledo's at home, but it's still on the road, and that's that's the team that they're chasing in the conference right now. If they you know want to get back in it, they absolutely have to win that game. It's going to come down to stuff like that. Can you can you get the wins going so you feel good about yourself going into those games knowing we can go in here and we can actually get this win? I feel like they did have that attitude going into these games. Just got to find a way to get the win. You got to find a way to close it out, get a win, and move on with it. But either one of these teams, I mean, I, we're, I'm, I would still put the women's team as my favorite without a question. But either one of these teams are definitely capable of making a run 
in their oh, yeah. in their respective tournaments. I think. Um, I mean, I know the five and six records a little bit misleading for the men's team, but again. You talked about it with the scores in the women's game. Go look at the scores in the men's games. They're mm-hmm. they're pretty close to all these guys. I mean, I know the one for Buffalo looks a little bit, you know, brutal at the end of that one, but they were in that game to the final minute. It was free throws that gave that a 14-point lead. So, yeah, um, definitely definitely something to pay attention to, and we'll see where they go. But that's it for us this week, unless uh, any any football news that I, I might have missed or didn't include in there. Got nothing really hot in the football stove this week. All right, good. For once, you want me to be honest? I, yeah, I... Oh, yeah, yeah, for I mean, sure. you want to talk a little Deron Irving Bay or no? I, I, yeah, sure. That's, it's interesting that's really enough, fine. isn't yeah. it? I, I mean, th- come on. I, I think it is, without a question. And, I mean, you you found that out this week that he was, you know, academically um, released for, from the university. That's the, the reason that he couldn't come back. And, I mean, this was a guy that was going to come in. Shoot, when you released that, you know, in the summer, that thing blew up. So yeah. anybody that thinks it wasn't supposed to be reported or whatever, you, you might have thought when about it. When the story broke it, in the summer, it went yeah, nuts. Yeah, it, went, it nuts, went nuts, and everybody cared a lot because he came from the University of Michigan. You get a player from the University of Michigan, mm-hmm. playing out, you think that that's going to be, you know, what it has to be. So what all happened there? What's the the background with that i mean you want to talk background as far as him getting dismissed i mean i don't know the background for that specifically well, yeah <laughs> i mean um it's i did more about I, him. I did i did reach out to him said that he does want to he did say that he wanted to meet with me and he wanted to go over and talk about you know um working on a different piece of how he's trying to make a comeback to the team so i mean that's something new that you know i haven't okay. really let surface yet out on the social or anything like that but something that i'm working on um just because he does want to get his grades in order and he does want to come back not sure when that's going to be entirely possible. Yeah. Not sure how long all that takes, but he does want to sit down and talk about it. So I would expect another story to come out some in the near future. But yeah, I mean, he wasn't on the roster. I reached out to, um, you know, Rob Wyman, who's the associate AD for sport administration and communications, asked him what's up. And he just, I said, Hey, I'm going to reach out to him. I want to know what's going on. And, and just basically told me, yeah, he was academically dismissed and he's, he's no longer on our football team. So just kind of a, a sad situation too, if you look at it. it. I mean, is. the guy was guy was a four star out of uh, out of high school. You know, he was in the top two fifty overall rankings in the country. I mean, you're looking at every player in the country for their class, and Again, he, he was emphasized this wasn't a big deal that he got released. <laughs> like, no, I mean, he was he was come on. <laughs> he was supposed to be legit. Didn't play under Jim Harbaugh in year one. Took a red shirt just due to the fact that you know he's a freshman coming in. A lot of those guys don't get playing time, especially at Michigan. Um, Decided to transfer out from there and had to sit out the 2018 season due to the NCAA transfer rules. And and yeah, man, like he was poised and he was expected to be like an anchor on the defensive line. It was supposed to be him and Mike Dana just eating people alive. And and now with Dana in the transfer portal looking at Michigan. Yeah. They might be out of defensive ends. Andy, you think you can try out? Uh, I don't think I'd make it either way, but I mean, shoot, they might need somebody, so I might have to go fill a roster spot, but I, I don't know. Like, Yeah, nevertheless, it's sad, and you got McElwain, who's an offensive-minded head coach. I mean, Still you need some defense. You, yeah, you needed these defensive guys to stick around, so you might just not have to worry about it, at least for your first season, and now it's kind of like, what am I going to do, and what am I going to scramble to put together on that side of the ball to make stops? Yeah. I mean, this is a strong defense last year, even for as bad as CMU was. Yeah, the and just just so everybody knows too. I mean, the tweet that we dropped when he decided to transfer when we when we broke that news, uh, seventy five thousand eight hundred and thirty nine <laughs> total impressions. It's a big so deal. Don't, don't tell me it doesn't it, matter. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And if he wouldn't have showed up and played, everyone would have been like, "Why didn't CM Life put out anything on that? Yeah. Why don't we know anything?" So, good on you for getting that one, like you usually do. But that'll wrap it up for us this week. But I, I had to, I had to tease that one out too. So nevertheless, we'll talk to you guys next week on Rune and Bold. Thank you for listening. You can find it on SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course, on the CM life website. Talk to you next time.